Welcome to the what? What number is it? 20th episode? We're in trouble. Rob, you're the one that helps me prepare. 20th episode? You know I have no idea. That's not my specialty. What? 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 Public streaming is going to start in a second. So I'm going to go, what? So here we go. The 19th or 20th episode of Born in Trouble. I'm your host, John X. And we're right here on a Monday evening. Perfect live streaming time, 9.30 BPT. That's black people time if you haven't heard of it before. That's right. So it is now 9.30. And we are about to start the show. All right, all right, homie. All right, okay. I'm here with my illustrious guest once again. From I don't know whether I never I would never know whether to say New Jersey, Pennsylvania, New York City, parts unknown from an area from an area slightly south of New York, but yet north of DC. Yes, Mr. Robert Brooks. Thank you for the assist. It didn't need to be that way, but it's, there it is. It's that professional broadcasting um, education coming through right there. That's what you get for all that money. And, of course, from Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> Home of City Wangs. 2896 West Grand Boulevard, Detroit, Michigan. Come down and get you some. Just the Wings, Mr. Grant Lancaster. Just the Wings. What up, dog? What Wangs, up, dog? City, city Wangs. City Wang Kang. How we living? We living good, bro. You know, I was on another conversation on the uh, Wisdom app the other day, and I was talking to my I was talking to my boy Reg, Reggie Wood. Big shout out to Reg. And um he does a boxing talk, and he talks about boxing, a couple of other things. And he was saying that when he listens to shows, he doesn't necessarily... This wasn't when we were talking. I was listening to him talk, but, you know, riff for a while. And he was saying that, you know, with podcasts, that he doesn't necessarily like to joke about the things that are going on in the world. He doesn't like to hear people joking about the things that are going on in the world. And I'm like saying to myself, damn, Reg, that's our whole show. Because <laughs> because brother, if you're listening to this, and I'm sure you probably will pick it up at some point, I know we'll talk about it. You got to realize that sometimes if you don't laugh at these things, you might end up sobbing in your pillow. Sort of like Cinderella after the girls left for the ball and she ain't know what was going to happen. So this is why we put in jokes and why we laugh at these things, because if you don't laugh at how ludicrous these people are, and if you really start to take these people in their hypocrisy seriously, you're going to have bigger problems. You know what I'm saying? I can't take the hypocrisy seriously. Rob, what, what does that look on your face? You look like you're frozen. What, what is it you're going to say? I'm not, for, I'm not frozen. I'm not frozen. I'm not frozen. I'm here. I'm just, you know. Waiting for the joke? Are you waiting for the no, joke? No, Punch no. No, I'm not waiting for the joke. No, just, you know, I'm following you where you lead, Captain. Go for it. Well, listen, we're going to lead. I'm going to lead you right now to a conversation that we all want to get into, and that's Neon Dion Sanders. The man. Coach Prime to you. Mm-hmm. Coach Prime mm-hmm. to you. Respect. Now, we had a lot of conversations about the brother last year when he was down at uh, Jackson State, whether or not he was going to say when he made the move to Colorado. And it was a mixed feelings type of deal because I was really hoping that he would help to re to invigorate the um, – I would. I was going to say reinvigorate, but we've never really seen that with the um, HBCUs. So breathe life into the HBCUs. But instead, he took his football and his boys, and he's gone up to Colorado when he's caused quite a problem. And white folks is big mad. They don't like seeing. You sound it. like you big mad. 
Why? I'm not big mad at him. I'm not big mad at him. I mean, listen, I would have liked to. I would have liked. I have an idea. See, my concepts and the things that I would like for the world, it requires more than just one person to get behind it. It requires like a collective consciousness. It, it requires like the parents of the parents, the moms of the five star recruits to say, look, we want you to go to Howard. We want you to go to Morgan. We want you to go to Jackson State. We want you to go to Grambling. We want you to get that experience and bring that back. We'll be just as proud of you going there as you would be going here. And then what that happens is that would force the even the NIL dollars to make movements towards those alma, alma maters, those those smaller schools. Now, there's a lot yeah, of NIL economics. Dollar, NIL dollars are fantasy dollars. Why do you say the fantasy dollars? Because they are fantasy dollars. Well, explain that. I mean, a lot of it is just, you know, it's advertising, it's hype. There's at some point somebody's going to stop and start looking at what they're getting for their value, what they're getting value for these dollars. And they were like, we're not getting anything out of this. Right. And I mean, that's the. That's the eventual. That's the eventual conclusion when you're talking about nil so money. This is going to be. This is going to be a. Quick, this is going to be a quick window. This window is going to last this long. Like this bubble will burst quickly because the haves and the have-nots. The have-nots are grumbling already. The schools that you know the problem. No matter where they, how the nil nil money flows, there's no way that Howard can raise enough. You know, right. unless seriously every single last one of their most successful. Uh, alums gets behind it and really starts kicking in um, in a big way. Just can't race enough. So I don't, I don't, I'm sorry. I don't know uh, a lot about NIL and how that's set up, but I always kind of looked at NIL dollars as a legal way for boosters to do what they do. Right. And I, I mean, I could be dead wrong on that, but it seems like, it's me, ever, that's, that's, kind of, that's kind of what it's become. Like that's there's a coach and uh, an SEC coach who basically said, "I spent years trying to keep these guys off my back, and now they just let them into the game." Mm-hmm. Right. Um, yeah. So 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 basically, I guess what I'm saying is, it's still pretty much going to be the same game, right? Well, so so the the big the bigger schools were still you know the schools that had the biggest boosters, the Alabamas, the LSU's, whatever. Um, not to single them out, but just, you know, using them as an example. But it seems like they would still have the advantage when it comes uh, to that. They, they most definitely do. They, it's become sort of a marketplace like before. Guys were getting paid, and that, you know, that's the boosters are the ones who are putting up the money for those, for those little uh, bonuses. But, you know, like Tennessee Spire Sports, you go to play quarterback in Tennessee, you're going to get at least $125,000 a year. Uh-huh. Right. At, at some point, somebody looks at me and goes, "Why are we giving that kid one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a year?" Like, sucks. Yeah. That special. But they're going to be paying. Really? You're going to be paying. They're going to be paying three guys. You know, you'll be paying one of them more than that because one of them is going to emerge as a starter. So they're going to have to give him more. But then you're going to have two or three other guys that you're paying one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars to to hold a clipboard. Well, I you think. My my feeling is that the NIL is really, at the end of the day, what it's going to end up doing is it's going to allow the bigger programs that have always had large boosters paying money under the table to actually, like, reascend back to the top of the ranks of the college football. Because when you look at it, like, I think it's Texas Tech or it's um, one of the Texas schools they pay their offensive line something about a combined like a hundred and fifty thousand hours. So just like committing to that school, you're going to split that up amongst your fellow linemen. So you're going to have things like that. You're going to have things like Tennessee. And in terms of co- competition, we're going to bring it back to the HBCUs for a second. In order for a HBU to actually commit there or actually compete there, I should say. You're going to need large boosters to come in and actually put in money on those with those dollars to kind of match those dollars to a certain extent. 
Or even if you could offer a smaller amount of money, you might be able to do something with that. Maybe a $50,000 for a Howard's offensive line. And I don't see enough alumni that are willing to actually commit that money to sports. And not only to sports, but I mean, it's not just a one-time commitment. It's a yearly, at some point, you know, they've got, how many linemen they got? They got 10 offensive linemen. They're just splitting that up like it's, so, you know, you got 10 this year, next year you're going to re- recruit in four more freshmen, you got out three. Like it just, it keeps going. It's not like, hey, I, I'm going to give I'm going to give him $2 million for a building and then we're good. Right. No, like you need two million dollars, and they didn't come back to you the next year and go, "Yeah, well, it was great. We spent that two million. Now we need to, now we need another two million. Right. And um, and if you're and not, so the the churn of these of these supporters is going to be huge. And if you're not putting players in the pros that are actually coming back and regurgitating that money back in, it's not as if like the black community has this deep well of money to actually be putting into this every year. But I thought about something in in terms of that too. So what schools could we get that could actually do that? A Jackson State isn't doesn't have that alumni base, that money. Um, a Morehouse might be able to compete, though, because Morehouse right. is, for example, you've got Robert Johnson, who paid all off all of those people's student loans, if he were so inclined to do so, to actually make the sports a thing. Is it important to a Robert Johnson, a man who made his money being an academic um, genius and a computer genius to actually take that money and put it towards the football program. Is that investment something that's worthwhile? Wait, well, well the, the investment could be worthwhile, but it's not going to be worthwhile today. You see what I'm saying? So, so, this, so this is a tree that you got to plant, knowing that you probably ain't going to get no shade from it. You see what I'm saying? So what Coach Prime did at, at Jackson State was he got sponsors to come in and do certain things, right? So so I think you have to start there because the only – the lure to bring these kids in, you're going to have to change your whole facilities. Like you're going to need, you need new buildings. You're gonna, you know what I mean? Like you're going to need a lot of new things in order to attract these kids, because it's not just, I mean, like if you, if you plan for coach prime, that's one thing, but if you plan for coach Exum, I mean, and it's as great a mind as coach Exum might be right. As, as you know, he, he may be the greatest coach ever at Howard university. But if you gotta, if you gotta live in a hovel while you're there, uh, I mean, that's not really, if, a if you got a ration muscle milk, Give me that, right yeah. Give me yeah. that. Give me that basketball team, and I can turn them into winners. But I don't know if I could sell Burr um, Stadium, which is essentially like an overgrown pickup gym. How do you actually? Right. How do you actually do that? You know, they did get the one guy a couple of years ago, and he left after a year. So it's a pretty difficult sell. And you think about the investment. It's funny that you said that it's a tree that you may not get any shade from. Robert Johnson put all that money into Morehouse's graduating class a couple of years ago. And I was reading something very interesting about some of the workshops that he also made available to those students as well, which were computer-based workshops based upon what he does and for computer careers. Made it available to every graduate. um, And after paying all all of that money from that graduating class, on average, with this great tool that he's made available to all of these people, on average, about 50 people actually show up every week for this workshop. The man paid off your, he paid off your student debt, let you walk away free, and they still mm-hmm. don't take the time to avail themselves of the resources because there were other things that are more important when you bring it down to the end. So it's like you can bring a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. Well, what was difficult is assigning value to something that you gave away. You see what I'm saying? So, so when he pays, and I'm, I'm glad that he did, but when he paid all that student debt off for those people, now all of a sudden there's a kind of, you know, them shoulders come down. You way more relaxed now because you don't have to meet that nut every month that you would have to make 
if you had to pay those student loans or whatever. Mm. So there's a certain, there's a certain kind of, you know, there's a lack of urgency that is inherent when you give someone something. Mm. Right. And, and it, you know, it's not across the board. I mean, nothing is across the board, but it's not across the board, but for a lot of people, if you give it to them, all of a sudden it doesn't mean as much. Those 50, I, I think that those 50 people that show up every week on average are probably um, well worth investing in and finding out what it is that they're trying to do. But um, the rest of them, I'm like very disappointed at those numbers. But, but you're, but you're, you know, who knows what the circumstances of all of them are, but if you, you know, if you create, if you help to create 50 people who are going to go on and those people are going to not only just take in what you're giving them, the nourishment that you're giving them, but they're going to spread that around. They're going to spread it around. So absolutely. It's absolutely worthwhile. And you know, everybody, everybody's at a different place in their life. I would hope um, so. You know, who, who right. knows where yeah. they, you know, who knows how, how many of them had to move away to different parts of the country. So they're not around yeah. to take part in that, whatever. And we you know, know these workshops are, you know, it's always the five, 10%, you know, that, that move things along. And then everybody else just kind of high tide raises all boats. Right. Right. So it's all, it's always the five or 10% that moves the needle. And then everybody else just kind of gets better, just kind of through attrition. Right. So. Well, we at Howard, we have, we have, um, I know Puff didn't graduate from four year from a four year thing, but I think that they gave him, awarded him in an, an emeritus um, graduation. So maybe we can get him. Mm-hmm. He's giving away publishing right now. So maybe he can give away some dollars to the football program. So do you think that he saw three ghosts in one night? And decided to give or... away. <laughs> <laughs> come up to publishing now. <laughs> Listen, I saw the conversation online and I was like, and these cats are talking. I was like, ah, if I was to tell you what I knew. It's too much. And then the cat, the cat was like, spill. Cat was like, spill. I'm like, nah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not interested in spilling. Because honestly, anything I say is just going to come out like everything that we say on the show, which is that nobody looks good at the end of the day. When you tell the truth, you've got a businessman who's doing business the way that the other business people in that business are doing it. And you've got a lot of artists who sometimes self-centered and want more or when they have unrealistic goals and unrealistic thoughts about what their actual value is. And somewhere in between the middle is where we very rarely meet. You know, the only artist that you can really say that went through hip hop and made it and really made it with fair deals would be 50 cent. He walked in with the 50, 50 deal Eminem, He walked in with the 50, 50 deal. Um, there are a few others, you know, Master P, he made a lot of his money selling records out of his trunk, amongst other things. And hasn't Nas always had his publishing? No, he has not. Nope. He, no, he no. hasn't. But Nas has been a very, he's been a very no. astute businessman, though, to get to the, mm-hmm. to get close to, like, you know, where he is. He's high. He's high, um, five figure. There were some reports that he was a billionaire at one point. So he's been very astute yeah. with his money. Nas has made some really, really uh, good investments with his money. Right. He was an early backer of vitamin water, I think. Yeah. Fitty, he, Fitty he was in that as well. And um, he was in our ring at the, at the, at the, you know, inception or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he, and it, you know, there's a couple of more things that he did, but ring was the, is the one that sticks out in my mind. Cause everybody's got a ring. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I'm, Kudos to Nas for that. Yes, most definitely. I mean, there's been a lot of brothers. There's been a lot of brothers in the hip hop game that have actually taken that money and they've turned it into, they've turned that water into wine. So, you know, that's why they have taken the music business and they only give contracts now to people who are high as hell. So that way you you have no time to read the books. They don't want those. They don't want those smart ones anymore. They want the ones that are. I was seeing online. This guy was like, he was saying that us old cats that we absolutely positively hate these young people. We don't hate these young brothers. I don't hate these young brothers. I don't know where they're getting that idea, that concept. 
It's just that we're trying to school them in different ways, and they don't know how to take information without feeling aggressed. Like most people who don't know how to take in, most people in this generation don't know how to take information from you without being aggressed. We were talking about the Russell Brand thing, me and the lady, and, um, you know, she was saying he probably is like a creeper because he is a creeper. He's made these, well, I'm not going to get into that guy with this show. But um, it's, it's his brand of humor is a bit is a little bit right. cringy and uncomfortable. Like that's his, mm-hmm. that's his literally that's Russell Brand's brand. Yeah, it's easily believable. Okay, mm-hmm. and you know, someone I was watching someone today who said that he's been very smart and like because he knew that this was coming down the pike, so he's turned himself into these to these people that don't trust the media, and he's turned them into a fan base. So now when these allegations come out, he's got a buffering between him and the allegations already and that just is what it is but that's white people problems right there because um we already know that he'd be under the bus if he was somebody else they have to figure out how to actually go at him but what we were saying though in regards to that is that a lot of the young women today i've experienced it personally just being polite oh you know have a nice day you know how are you doing today you know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Like, I ain't asking to take your panties off. I just told you to have a nice day. You know what I'm saying? It's a nice outfit. I like your outfit. Yeah, but I I think uh, the whole every everybody's uh, sensibilities. People wear their sensibilities right on on their sleeve. Like certain things, you just should be able to walk away from. Right. Like if you don't like them or you should be able to accept them with grace or whatever, Um, whether you like it or not, you know, what I'm saying just accept it with grace. So like one of the one of the big things that I see frequently is uh, people who who are called by the wrong gender. You know, I'm a I'm a I'm a I'm a they. Right. I'm a they and you call me she or whatever, whatever. But that person don't know you, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so, so why would they assume that they should call you they or cat or whatever, you know what I mean? Like whatever the, whatever the pronoun that you choose to go by today, why would that person assume that they should call you something outside of sir or ma'am? And I, you know what I mean? Not even like she, but like some, a, a term of respect, like sir or ma'am. Like why, why, why are you aggrieved by that? You know what I mean? Like it just because it just the patriarchy has been weighing us down for so many years. We've got to get it off of our backs, right? But you know who else the patriarchy is weighing down? Me, black, black guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they hopped on the bus. All time. those civil rights things. They came and got a ride on that. They were the they're the biggest beneficiary beneficiary of affirmative action. So we let's, you know, ride the coattails of a movement. And they are completely right. and totally yeah. pissed at us for telling them, get the hell off my goddamn bus. You know, like, <laughs> get off my bus. Listen, you have a right to be upset, but your upset level cannot reach my upset level. You know what I'm saying? I live this shit. Regardless, right. you may walk into a room and not talk to anybody and motherfuckers might think, you know what I'm saying? What the fuck you are. But when I walk into a room, if I'm interacting with someone, they might say and act upon my blackness. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. So don't, yeah. like, you know, y'all got to recognize that it's not so much that motherfuckers don't recognize that you have an issue with stuff. It's just a simple fact that your issue isn't as big as my issue. And I'm I'm not going to apologize to you. You know what I'm saying? I got punched in the eye twice, and you scraped your knee. Which one right. is worse? You know what I'm saying? I got punched in the eye twice. I can't even see your ass to tell you what your pronoun is right now. Because I got punched in the <laughs> eye. You know what I'm saying? Give me a break with yeah. that nonsense. It's like, it's, and it's not, listen, it's not nonsense if you're living that. Okay. I can see that it's not nonsense if you're living that to a certain extent. But like Rob said, motherfucker walk in the room, you know what I'm saying? You don't know that you identify by a different pronoun. 
You know what I'm saying? I guess the way to solve yeah. that is why don't you, everyone that, that identifies as they or them, put a goddamn name, t- name tag on your shit. And then nobody will fucking, like, you know, be confused. Because I don't have time to guess. I don't even really want to meet you anyway. You know, the simple fact of the matter is some of us are just surly people naturally. Okay? I'm going to say mm-hmm. I'm a surly person naturally. Absolutely. Okay? And when I walk into and a room. you joy. And a huge, Yes. <laughs> Right. So if I'm listen, I'm not even gonna I'm not even gonna argue with your jokes right now, Rob. I'm not even gonna argue with them. But what I'm gonna say is what I'm gonna say is that my cordiality to you is simply because I'm just trying to be polite and trying to get past the interaction. So say, excuse me, excuse me, miss, or whatever if I generally I try to avoid using pronouns anyway because I wanna use as many, as few words as possible, so I'm just excuse me. Look out, whatever. But if I happen to throw a pronoun there in there and it's the wrong pronoun and everything, and you say something to me, now I'm aggressed. Why am I aggressed? Because now my interaction with you is a little bit longer. And I don't want that. I don't, right. I don't want that. I'm gonna go if I'm going to get chicken, I'm gonna go to the counter, I'm gonna get my chicken, I'm gonna come back. I'm getting a bur I'm gonna get get my burger, get back out of there. Whatever it is I'm trying to do and everything. I'm not really trying to interact with you. So why? So it's like, you know, so just be aware that some of us aren't even trying to. You're not trying to. I'm not trying to interact with anybody. I'm naturally surly. But one of the one of the things I think that we have to kind of take into consideration is that these are people who receive participation trophies. Mm. Right. Like. So, so when you, when you just, all you had to do was show up and you got a trophy, all of a sudden your sense of self is inflated, right? Mm -hmm. And if you, if you go through life, just receiving participation trophies, all of a sudden you think that you matter to everybody, Mm -hmm. right? Of course you matter because you're a human being. So let's not go, let's not take it out of context, but you don't necessarily matter to everybody. You know, yeah, your voice your is any, any stronger or more, more valuable than any other individual on this planet. Right. Yeah. We're talking about a generation of participants. Mm. So, I mean, let's let's just kind of keep it in perspective. Participants and, like, also opinionated assholes. You know, honestly, if you really want to call it what it is, everybody's got a goddamn opinion about what other people are and everything. Like, you know, don't nobody care if you nobody cares how you view old people, nobody cares how you view young people. You know what I'm saying? Nobody cares. It's like we are all have to see when I say it like that, though, it sounds kind of harsh, but it's also with the understanding, like you said earlier, it's not as if everybody doesn't matter. We all matter, but we all matter the same. You know, I was talking right. to, to this worker today. And we were having a conversation because I had, I had a little issue. I'm not going to get into the issue. But I was like, look, Did man. Did you smoke a peace pipe? I didn't smoke a peace pipe. No, it was actually in the thing. But it was actually in the place where I'm staying. But I was like, listen, bro. I was like, I can under I understand people like, you know, having their points of view and all that other stuff and their opinions about different stuff. But let's be honest. I don't care if you're a doctor, if you're a lawyer, if you're a manager, or if you're a sweet, if you're a sweeper. You know, your city sweeper, the majority of people in the United States are not going to the work every day and fucking reinventing the workforce. You're not doing anything right. that's really like great or fantastic. And it's a it's a harsh thing to think about because you everybody wants to matter and everybody wants to feel like a value. And that's the whole point of having a va- having value. And that's what the whole system is about. It, it assigns you value based upon what you do, who you are, whatever. But let's be honest, nobody is going, even a doctor who's going out there to the hospital and everything, he's just following protocol. He's had more, he or she, or they, have had more, (laughs) have had more um, training just so they can follow protocol better. You know, you're not doing, you're not breaking, this is not groundbreaking stuff that we're doing every day when we wake up and we leave our homes. It's it's really not. It's not that important that you would feel that you are more important than the other person. Grant, you save lives, you know, so 
to somebody who goes out, who you might have pulled out of a fire or done CPR to, you probably, you have a more of a value to that person than most people. Your job right. is probably, have, probably has more humane and humanity value to, than, to other people and everything. Rob, you set up the, you set up the, the baseball thing and everything. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Motherfuckers can hear your shit. They hear what you do. Listen, I'm not knocking Rob, but I'm saying though, you broadcast ba- baseball and basketball and everything. It's great because we we love sports. It's a fantastic thing, but but actual value to the society. A little bit light. Eh, me? A little bit light. I, I might want to. might want to give to to leper colony or something. Right. But you. But you know what? You know what? People value that entertainment. Way more than they value firefighters, though. Or their educators. That's yeah. the damn truth. Or even, but even that, health but, professionals. But here's the thing. There's much. There's many more people affected by that entertainment than there are pe- people that have been affected by fire or, you know, those kind of tragedies, car accidents, you know, the kinds of things that we do. So, I mean, I get it. You know, hey. Make that money. That's that's why NFL players make the money that they make. Baseball, basketball, that's why they make that money because they affect many more people's lives than we do as firefighters. On a whole. Yep. But right. nobody, well, I mean, well, well, I mean, listen, the normal person gets to make a gets to make an impact when we go online and we start sniping at each other, making comments. Well, that's why you guys are sniping right. at each other because you're all looking for attention. Yeah. Yeah. That's part of it. That's part of it. it. Weren't you the guy complaining just three minutes ago? Maybe it was four minutes ago that, you know, these people all had voices. That was part of the problem. These people all had voices. They all had opinions. Yes, they do. Yes, they they do. They've always had the opinions. They just didn't have a way to get it out there for the whole world to see. Now, yeah. unfortunately, we're stuck looking at the randings of all these man children. Like myself, I am part of the problem. Blissfully. Yes, you are. Blissfully. Yes, you are. Thank you. I'm part of the problem. You know what, though? I mean, listen, I'm realistic, and I'm, this is, I'm realistic about what I do, and every time I get on a a broadcast, my whole point is to let people know how insignificant my voice actually really is, and that's really the truth, but the only thing that, and that's the only thing that gives my voice significance, to tell you the truth is that I know that it's so insignificant. And that, you know, my whole point is like, I guess I'm like, you know, I'm like the guy, remember the, the other guys and everything? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I learned how to dance like this, so that way I could mock the, the gay guys, right? <laughs> the guys like, you know, I learned how to do right. a podcast, so that way I could mock all the other podcasters and let them know, hey, like, <laughs> it's not really that serious. It's not that relevant. But we actually do have more of a... We actually do have more of a bigger mission here than just making jokes and everything. So, Reggie, if you're listening to this, it actually is a little deeper than that. And part of, like, what we're trying to do is we're trying to fight the message delivery system. That's really what I feel like and what my purpose is, to try to get some of the 85s to say, hey, when it's time to walk over across the street, maybe we should go take a look at what's going on over across the street. And along those lines and changing things, I want to go into, I want to play a little clip. And you guys heard this today. It's going to be a couple of minutes, but I sent this out to you. This woman in Shreveport, um, Louisiana. Shreveport can't keep young professionals. You have not heard any council members speak negatively about my overall work performance, my skill set, the quality of the work I produce, or my professionalism. Instead, you've only heard baseless allegations of wrongdoing without so much as an ounce of evidence, all meant to be an assassination of my character. Mm. Six months ago, five council members approved my confirmation because they were confident in my ability to do this job. Councilman Butcher or Talaferro didn't vote for me, but I gave them my word that I'd work for them as I would every other council member, and I have. Councilwoman Bowman told me I shouldn't do shit for them. However, I told her I would work as hard for them as I did for everyone else, and I kept my word. Anything I provide to all council members, they are included. All right. So just to set the table a little bit, this is Shreveport, Louisiana. 
someone who was um, working for the city council who lost her job. And she lost her job mm-hmm. because she generally was not with the bullshit. Um, she's not one of the fish that goes along and she wouldn't go along with the good old boy network. And she gets into it very deeply. The reason why she they were having this hearing was to basically let her go. And before I listen to more of this, did you guys listen to this to this conversation? Did you listen to that clip today, Rob? Yeah. I can't hear you right now. Are you muted? Baby girl was not going to go out without being heard. Sure she, was putting, she put it all on the record. Mm. Like uh, She might as well it's like leaving it up a decker in somebody's house. <laughs> well, the thing is, the thing is that the reason why I sent that out is because we need more of these people in government, not less of them. Someone who's actually there to do her job that will actually work across the aisle, whether or not you hired me or you didn't hire me. But the ones that actually get to keep their jobs are the ones like the woman who told her, you know, if I were you, I wouldn't do shit for these people. They didn't vote for you. Don't do shit for them. Right. You know, don't do anything that's not going to benefit you. Forget about your constituents. Your job isn't your constituents. Your job is keeping your job. And she didn't listen to him, which is why they were having the hearing about her losing her job. So I want to pick this up a little bit more. So I'm going to keep this going a little bit. Anything they've requested from me, I've provided. Neither of them can truthfully, t- truthfully tell you anything differently. In fact, I have emails and recall multiple conversations with Councilman Telefera where he, where he has thanked me for my efforts, for me looking out for him for providing him with the necessary information and for a job well done. Less than a month ago, after I was publicly humiliated for receiving a raise that I knew nothing about until after it had been given, Councilman Brooks came to my office and told me how great of a job I'm doing and how impressed he was with my knowledge and ability to promptly respond to council members anytime any of them has a question. So imagine my surprise this past Friday when he asked the deputy, deputy clerk to add my employment status to the council agenda because he intends to fire me. He nor my other employers had the courtesy to come to me with any of their issues before going public. So we see the setup. They gave the young lady a job. They gave her a raise and didn't tell her she had a raise, so that way she would look bad in the in the um, forum of public opinion. And they were going to use this to get rid of this quote unquote loose cannon who was there to do her job. <laughs> I think she should run for Congress, personally. She should do something. Public you, office. You're going you, to start to go fund me for her? Maybe I, maybe I should. You know, maybe we maybe should. Maybe should. Because, I, I mean, listen, this is what we need in government. We're coming up on an election right now. Everyone is jockeying. These people are jockeying for position, and what they're really doing is they're jockeying for jobs. I was just watching something about Andrew Yang, guy who I was high on at one point, and then I learned more about him because that's generally what happens with the election cycles. You get to learn, learn more about people, and you say, ah, I don't think so. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. But, you know, in his conversation was the thing I didn't like, especially about what he said, was that if we're not going to have a um, primary for the president with the president being 82 years old, we should at least be talking about getting rid of the vice president of the United States. So basically what he's saying is that we don't, we don't need the black vote because if you put me on the ticket, I'm going to bring the Asian vote in in droves and we can take these people and we can move them down. But that's what politics is. Politics is the number of people that are behind you as opposed to what you're actually trying to do for the people. Which is why this country and, you know, every political board across the country is like pretty much in the shittiest position that it could possibly be because we don't elect the people based to do their jobs. We elect people based upon what their ethnicity is, what neighborhood they came from. Yeah, it's popularity. You know, it's a popularity contest. And it's a popularity contest at the government level. So, I mean, it's a slow drip of water on a rock. 
and maybe it's not even a slow drip of water right now. I think it's probably a big pour that's going down. You know, what did you think about this young lady and like, you know, what she said? Do you guys want me to play the rest of it so that way we can hear the best parts of it? We'll take I mean, a- she she's a hundred percent on point from I mean, I don't I don't of course I don't have the facts, but she's a hundred percent on point with what she's saying. You know what I mean? Like, like there's she, no. She's telling her truth, and uh, you know, you gotta love people who are willing more than who are more than willing to let it burn. Like she was like, she went in there, she's right. like, you know what? Yeah. We're gonna we're gonna make sure that how I feel is on the record, yeah. and everybody's gonna know what this was all about from my point of view. And she laid it all out there, and, and God bless her. And, you know, she's got that that fighting spirit. I just hope that she's not one of the. You know, there are some people who always feel they need to be the truth teller. I need to speak my truth. And, you know, those people get annoying after a while. They're like, you know, sometimes your truth is just some shit that you need to shut the fuck up and move on about. Right. <laughs> you know, just because just just it violates your truth doesn't mean that this is actually something to be aggrieved about. Right. You know. Right. This could be your, just your sensitivity and something you need to shut the fuck up about. Uh, I get mad. So I'm hoping that that's not who she is and, and that, you know, this is all good. This is, this is a good beat. And, you know, she did her thing. I'm glad she stood up for herself. Uh, I'm glad she didn't take it, right. and uh, you know, hopefully she she lands herself in an even better situation. Well, but, the, you know, there's another side to the story, <laughs> right? I'm going to move it forward. My standards and integrity by engaging in what I believe is inappropriate behavior just to please someone, even if that someone is my boss. Councilwoman Bowman has been. And I think the popular term is reading them for filth. <laughs> she has a problem with me speaking directly to him about his work, but yet she was okay with telling me how messy his clothes look, how bad his hygiene is, how he acts like a female at times, and how she knows he just sits in his office and does nothing. I never commented on these com- these statements when she made them, but instead I made it very clear to her that any issue I have with RJ will be strictly based on his job performance, not anything petty or personal. The only reason I bring these things up now is because it appears I am being punished because I didn't go along with everything these council members have said or done. I'm being professionally punished for personal reasons. In the past month, multiple people have told me that they've asked Councilwoman Bowman what her problem is with me, and her response has been, I just don't like that bitch. <laughs> Despite knowing this, I've continued to be nothing but professional towards her, respecting her as I do any of my employers. However, it is apparent to me that people in positions are lead- in, of leadership are allowing personal feelings, pride, and even race to get in the way of what's right. I've been accused of having an overinflated ego. Mm-hmm. I suppose that is because I have an opinion. I don't just sit down, shut up, and take whatever people try to feed me. And because I walk around with my head high, even Whoa. when some people do all they can to tear me down, I unapologetically use my voice. As the founder of a nonprofit in this city, I have young girls who look like me, growing up in similar circumstances as I did, who count on my voice because at times it's the only voice they have speaking up for them. If you knew my story and what I went through to get to where I am today, maybe you would understand why I walk and talk the way that I do. I don't know why my confidence intimidates or offends certain people, but I will not shrink myself to make others around me feel more comfortable, nor will I ever apologize for being secure in the gifts God placed inside of me. I love Shreveport and I love working for this city, but as I stated before, I'm not begging to stay in this position. Today, my goal is simply to lay out the facts for the public and let you all draw your own conclusions as to why you think these council members are now pushing for me to be fired. Each council member must decide what side of this you want to be on and vote with your conscience. Well, I, I actually fast-forwarded past the part about the other councilman who expressed his love for the chocolate ladies. <laughs> <laughs> The invitation to have drinks with one of the chocolate ladies and I guess maybe to make something happen in a mathematical way. Mm-hmm. Three is the magic number. Yes, it one is. is the, the magic number. number. <laughs> I'm singing De La Soul. My brother comes back with, what is that, the birds? <laughs> <laughs> the birds from the 60s but that's what he was looking for he was looking for the birds apparently homeboy throws the n-word around and, and probably probably throws the n-word around a lot when he's got them butt naked and stretched out and he's and they're drinking and having a good time Shreveport Louisiana Port City 
the jewel of the South. Get down, get down. Get down, get down. And of course, <laughs> if you guys are wondering how that vote went down, three to two, and she is now unemployed and driving for Amazon. Well, I don't know if she's driving for Amazon, but she's definitely unemployed right now. So this is what morals get you in today's society. You can't win. You can't win, brothers. Well, sisters, I can't uh, win. We, but you, we don't know that. You, this is this is a moment. Like winning and losing is not decided in this moment. Mm-hmm. You know, she stood up for herself. Hopefully, there'll be a benefit to that, and and she will. She'll you know she'll reap rewards for this for standing up for herself down the road. So she ain't she ain't lost anything. She just made a move. She played. She made it. She played her piece on the board, and we'll see. You know, see what happens we'll see. next. We will see. We will see. And before we put some more money into these rehearsals, we will, we will see. see. Classic Richard Pryor. Yes, sir. The chances of it happening and going <laughs> down, though, in a positive way, I don't know. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm listening to these conversations. We got the FPAs versus the um, immigrants, our, our first and second generation immigrants, and People coming in, running their mouths. And the thing about the United States of America is that everybody's supposed to be running their mouth about something that they ain't had nothing to do. See, I had nothing to do with, and they don't know anything about. And there's that old saying that if you got a thousand men that know nothing about the topic that we're actually talking about, their opinions are actually null and void. But that's not the way it is with the Internet and people. Everybody's opinion actually goes out there. This show is actually about telling people to, like, kind of shut the fuck up a little bit. And, like, you know, don't have an opinion on everything that's going on. You're not supposed to. If you don't have an opinion, you're supposed to. Well, I mean, listen, you you can have an opinion, but don't you think you should educate yourself before you actually open your mouth? That was the first thing. That was the first time my mom really smacked me upside the head. When she got tired of me, she said, you know, boy, she said, you don't fucking just run off at the mouth. Don't talk before you know what you're actually talking about. Shut the fuck up. Don't nobody care about your opinion right now. And she was right. But that's that's the way. That's the way now, though. You know what I mean? There is no there are no more fact checkers. You know what I mean? It's 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 more about getting the story out first. It's all about hot takes, about, man. Right. Than it is about having the actual story. Hot takes, a little bit of snark, mm-hmm. right? Being first, being the wittiest, you know. You really fuck it up in the moment, like you know, let it rest for a beat. Like, yeah, I probably shouldn't let this one fly. Nope, I'm nope, just let it fly. Yeah. Well, that's one of the reasons. Yeah, because what's? Go ahead. I was out first. If I say what I say about you first, okay. So, so you saying something next is just you know you retaliating. Or you trying to save face or whatever it is, you know. So, like I said, whether I'm right or wrong, if I'm first, I win. Doesn't work out so well, you know. There was a, you know, and f- bringing it back to the beginning of the show with uh, Dion there, there was a lot of people that were out first at halftime of that Colorado Colorado State game, out first to say, "Hey, True. hey, Colorado's done." Yeah. You know what I'm saying? This yeah, is what you em. get. We got him dancing on his grave. And I've seen a whole bunch of people that defending their positions on why they hate Dion. Dion is just like Dion Sanders is just coaching his boys. He's just doing his thing. He's just doing his thing. Win or lose. He's eventually the week that they lose their first game, which could be this week, actually. But the week that yeah. they lose their first game, there's going to be a national party out there. You know what I'm saying? Those small towns are going to go crazy. If you're a girl who lives in a small town and, you know, Colorado loses the week, this week, if you don't want to be sexually um, molested, I suggest you stay home because them boys is going to be drinking and celebrating and doing all types <laughs> of stuff when Dion loses. And the law of the averages is that eventually he's going to lose. He's going to lose. Yeah, he's, he, like, you know, he's, pull, he's pulling rabbits out, man. Yeah. Like I, I was watching that game the other night. He's pulling rabbits out, man. He's, he's getting yeah. more out of them. Than uh, than he probably should be. They're yeah. they're they're down like I think he had said he was down like eight guys, mm-hmm. um, eight positions that he needs you know to fill mm-hmm. this this recruiting season. Mm-hmm. They, where he knows like hey we you know we we did the best we could right. we're we not there in that position right. 
And these so. and these people are talking as if like you know I saw somebody's take on that game. He was like, "Well, he's at this team and he's playing this team and he's got this great squad that this really good squad. You know, they're not. He's not supposed to lose. Well, actually, the narrative was that he was supposed to lose. He was oh, supposed yeah. to as soon as he walked in. It's actually he, a surprise. He chased off everybody. He, yeah. He took he took over a one on eleven team and then chased chased damn near everybody off. Right. So, He's got like 90 yeah, new we players. We can replace all y'all. Yeah, he's got like 90 new yeah. players, I think, on their team. All through the portal. How could he possibly have like a great team? This is just their excuse for not giving him props for what he's actually doing on those sidelines. They don't want to give him props for what he's doing on the sidelines. And that whole interaction with that coach last week, that's black on black crime right there. Because that's a black coach at Colorado State, black coach at Colorado. Mm-hmm. And this is one guy who's saying, like, listen, I did it this way, which was basically like, I'm not mad at you guys. Please give me the job at Colorado State. We can be new people. You can show me how progressive you are. And then here comes Dion with the sunglasses and his hat and all his talent and his skill and his knowledge. And he just walks into Colorado when he starts picking guys off of the picking guys off of the portal, the tree, and everything. And the next thing you know, he's getting all the he's getting all of the attentions. We saw a lot of that in with the black college coaches with Dion, who were mad at him for coming in and stealing their thunder. He came into the state of Colorado and he stole this guy's thunder at Colorado State, which wasn't really that much thunder anyway. What were they like one in eleven? You know, something like that. Yeah. But this this is what people don't realize about Coach Prime is that Coach Prime has been Coach Prime for a long time. He ain't just fall off the coaching tree. Coach Prime came up. He started out coaching his kids. I mean, now they, they were his children, of course, but he's, he was coaching when they, when they were playing Little League. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Prime been coaching for, for a long time. You know what right. I mean? So – you know him coming up. The pro- the problem that people have with Prime is is how he is. It's you know go go back and look at the must be the money video. Mm-hmm. That's how people view Prime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's how they view him. They view him. They, people don't like that. People don't like the way that the way that he is, and not not even you know like how he talks or or anything like that. They just don't like him for being the best. Prime is Prime is is a has been a winner at every level, right? So his so his confidence, bravado, arrogance, whatever you want to call it, he's earned he's earned that. Yes, sir. You see what I'm saying he he don't he don't lose like that, right? You know, and and he's telling them boys at Colorado, look, if you think that winning is worth celebrating then you're mistaken because this is what you're supposed to do, right? Win. You're supposed to be winning. Win, yeah. Right? So, so yeah, I mean, we're going to celebrate the victories and all that kind of deal, but we ain't going to let it get out of pocket because this is what you're supposed to be doing. Right. You got to get that in your mind that you're supposed to be winning. So he's tearing down all, all of the myths that have been out there about uh the co- about coaching, about college football, NCAA, everything that everything that's been built over these hundreds hundred years that they've been playing college football. Prime is tearing all that shit down in one fell swoop, Tight. and they hate it. They hate it. Tight pucker butts. Yeah. Starfish. Just tightening those sphincters. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Across yeah. The, the bird world. cages. Hey, listen, man, I, you know, like Rob, going back to what you said about Coach Prime, was I disappointed when he left? Yeah, I was disappointed because I was hoping that it was the beginning of a movement. But don't confuse my disappointment with, like, hatred of Coach Prime or a dislike for Coach Prime. I'm still down with him because, you know what, the brother is like, he's making moves, he's good at what he does. And either way, no matter whether he's on the on the at an HBCU or he's at a smaller Division One, um, mid tier Division One like Colorado, he's breaking down barriers and he's upsetting people. And I love to see that. I do. 
because we deal with this. Everybody that's all three of us that are on this board have dealt with those stereotypical type of individuals that they're just like, I just call them lazy, lazy, fake intellectual types that will sit around and will tell us what we are before we walk into the room and can sit there and like, you know, they can make a judgment proudly, proudly and loudly about what we are and everything before you even know it, before you even know what we are and everything. And then at that point you force us to make a decision as to whether or not to give value to your opinion or dismiss you as the dotard that you probably are because the lazy motherfucker that you are because you because you're not doing the research and um I'm just going to end on this one last topic we we might go over a couple of minutes something else that I saw you know there's um there's a book out there that's written about black inventions that says that we created everything. Have y'all, y'all ever saw that? Black people, we've created everything. And this was actually on um, Twitter the other day. I can't call Twitter X. I'm X. Motherfucker. I'm X. You don't get to call I think I might have seen this book. I think they had, I think like the, the Hebrew Israelites, I think they had a stack of these books says, uh, when they was preaching last weekend. Black people created everything. Yes, yes. Yeah, that's one of those books. And um, the white people on Twitter were, like, losing their minds over this concept that black people created anything. Forget about everything. And some of the comments were, like, so hilarious, but they were hilarious for different reasons. Like, this guy's like, you know, go back to, you know, why don't you go back to Africa and see why are you so poor? You say, go back to Africa and you see how, how that actually works out. Well, you know, we've covered it on the show before you go back to Africa, as long as you start charging people for the minerals and everything, that poor thing will flip around like pretty quickly. You know, can we bring some munitions with Mm us? You know, can we shoot those? There's a reason why there are all those army bases on the continent of Africa. It's not because they're just trying to like, it's not like the police in, in Philadelphia they're not just trying to control those people there. They're trying to, they're physically picking the mining, the stuff that's there, the gold and the riches and the resources and making sure that those people don't get them. You know, how long could the West last without Africa's re, um, resources? A week? How A long? Year? Not long. Not long at all. We would take, it would all get taken up. And, you know, it's just like these people don't want to learn. They want to keep their cognitive dissonance in place and they want to automatically dismiss you and stop you from actually looking at things and looking at the past because there's something that you don't want to hear because there's something that they don't want to hear and they don't want to know about and everything, which is terrible. You have this whole thing about the jokes about black people and not having fathers in their homes. I sent you the video this to this morning about the young lady in Mississippi talking about how they were living in the shacks and generally what they did was, it's just been generational. It's just been like a constant bombardment for the black community since the end of slavery with the laws. And then like you keep them in poverty with the sharecropping and barely paying them any funds. And then when you come up with machines, you need those people to leave the property because you have the machines. So you offer them public housing with the caveat that your daddy can't come. Mom and the kids can come, but your daddy can't come. And then they go and they make mm-hmm. it a joke. You know what I'm saying? Your daddy can't live here. So because he hasn't made any money, because if he would have tried to make any money, we would have thrown his ass in jail. He had to leave the county. If he didn't leave the county and he stayed close by, and every, then he's going to be broke. And it's just like a constant bombardment. And then you have people from other countries coming in and telling this history that they don't know fully. And then you compound that with not wanting to teach actual history because these are the things that you want to keep secret, your duplicity. And... I'm here talking about it. My opinion don't well, you, matter. You know, you know that. Yeah, but you know what it is. The, the the myth is bigger than the truth, or the legend. The legend is bigger than the truth. So you continue to print the legend. 
Yeah. Well, I'm going to say this before we before we sound off. Shout out to our ancestors, my father, Mr. John himself, the original John. He was a mofo, but yes, sir. he was a strong mofo who did what you had to say. Mr. Sandro. Kenneth. Kenneth. Mr. Sandro, father of Robert. Strong man. Went through a lot of different things, took care of his family, did what he had to do, stayed in there. And of course, Big Ed, Mr. Lancaster, mm-hmm. was sticking in there and doing what he had to do during the course of the time, no matter what happens. Because we know what happens when we leave our kids to just their mamas. Y'all mamas, you can try. Respect to all the women out there. You can try your best and you can you do everything that you possibly can. But you can't raise no man. And what happens when you leave them to their mamas is that you end up getting text messages like I got today. Which I'm not going to get into on this show. <laughs> Don't take it personal. Take the bitter with the sweet. Easy come, easy go. Easy come, easy go. And on that note, I'm going to end at least the recording portion of this. Mr. Robert Brooks, Mr. Grant Lancaster, Boarded Trouble 22 episodes. Thank you, bro. That was.